I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. I'm Dawn Ennis. And this is the Transporter Room. It is a special Transporter Room. It is said everything's bigger in Texas. In the case of Monica Roberts, it's accurate. Monica Roberts was a proud transgender, black transgender woman from Houston who spoke truth to power, never wavered in doing so. Her award-winning blog, Transgrio, was a beacon for many of us who felt we had no voice. She was no nonsense. She was composed of strength and grace combined with a dash of Barbara Jordan and a pinch of Ann Richards, and you could throw a little Molly Ivins in there too. She had a voice that made legislatures and governors stand up throughout Texas and rang a clarion call for trans liberation from Austin to Washington and around the world. We lost her last week. And we're still reeling from it. And tonight, myself and Dawn are going to remember this titan for justice, this warrior for our trans community, a person who stood for human rights. I often referred to her as Auntie General Monica Roberts because she was an auntie to many of us. She was a beacon of light and especially for the way she stood up for transgender youth. And Monica Roberts, trans youth, especially in Texas, had that special auntie who would stand in front of them, ready to protect them and ready to fight for them. But let conserva fools, as she would call them, beware. Monica may be with the ancestors, but her spirit is still with us. And the heart of her resistance will always beat among us. Dawn, I'm still crushed. I, you were the person who called me and let me know. It was Carly who called me. Although you did message me, I was actually distracted and busy and not looking at my phone. You did a friend thing. You, you called me on the phone and let me know. And you were in tears and I was in tears. You know, I would say that the best thing I can say about myself is that Monica Roberts called me her friend. She was truly a force of nature. And I'm so sorry for those of you like Carly who did not get to meet her in person. But we did have her on the transporter room. And I count that as having met her, Carly. We're going to be playing portions of our interview with Monica from last year. So I just want to give everyone a warning that you're going to hear Monica in her own words. And it may be a little hard to hear her, but it's important because her message, her spirit lives on. And there's no greater proof of that than her friend, Maura Harrington, who joins us by phone. Carly, let's beam her up from Hartford. Maura Harrington, one to be the province of the transporter room, beautiful human. and Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Because we had you back in May at the beginning of the protest. And Monica was in the middle of that down in Texas as well. And Yes, she you was. Know, you know, yeah. Cameron, one of the things I saw her last tweet was that she was so looking forward to voting. And I feel like we are all going to vote in her place. Yo, can I tell you that one place that Monica and I would not respectfully agree to disagree. 
<laughs> that, there's a lot of places like that <laughs> for me and Hanukkah. Thank you. Well, again, women, thank you so much. Like we, we have lost so many of our mothers and sisters to history. And thank you for inviting me here to, to celebrate this woman um, and, and to remember her because I am clearly this, you know, oh, above, above a third party voter. And that's who I am. And Monica was very firmly in the Democratic Party and she was very firmly you know, voting for Biden and Kamala and not at all in a place of believing that these two people were great and amazing, or even that what the Democratic Party is doing right now is the right thing. Um, but that, but she was focused and she saw that as the way to, to do it. And so, yes, I vote in November, Kamara, third party all the time. I will be walking in there and really thinking about, about Monica Roberts and the ridiculously heated conversations that I used to always like, the way I would try to win was by saying, you know, I'm from Connecticut. So, you know, Connecticut's blue friend anyway. So my third party, you know, allow me my pie in the sky third party. Um, but one of the most beautiful things about that woman, one of the things I feel is one of the most beautiful things about my relationship with her and that many of us had was we did not see eye to eye on many things. And we saw eye to eye on wonderful things. And we always worked to support each other and understand each other. You said you tried to win an argument. <laughs> <laughs> you got that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, let me put it this way. Monica was never afraid to call me up and call me out on my shit. And God oh. bless her for that. Because, first of all, as a white woman, I have a lot of shit to be called out on. But second, she did it in a way in which I didn't feel bad. I felt like, all right, I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to make it better. And she never did it in such an insulting way as the way, the, the way that partisan politics has devolved in this country. Yes, she had strong opinions. There's no doubt about that. But when she talked to her friends, and I'm so proud to be among them, she made sure that she let her opinion be known without it being a condescending or put down or anything else. She wanted people no, she to was understand. Right. No, it wasn't condescending, wasn't a put down, but she was right. Well, of course she was right. And she gets the last word now, right? <laughs> yes. I'm just at a loss right now because Monica and I, we we locked horns. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the time we locked lady. horns. And it was and it was actually and it was a see one thing about Monica beyond beyond all the things that we have discussed already is that Monica was proud to be a Texan. He was a proud Texan, and she was a proud fan of Houston sports. I remember one of the one of the interactions I had was Kamora. You were hosting a thing over the summer, yeah. And here's me, a Steelers fan, and her, a Houston Oilers fan. For those millennials that don't know who they were, look them up. She <laughs> would. Her and I got into an argument about the Steelers against the Oilers. In addition to getting into an argument about, you know, the third party versus the Democrats. And yeah. her and I locked horns about that a lot. Because after all, I mean, it's no secret. But then again, myself and Don Ennis, she's called me out on my stuff before, even before we really knew each other. But the thing about Monica is even when she calls you out, she always gave you your respect. And you always, and she was a person that you just looked up to. You listened. Even if you didn't agree, you would listen. And that's the type of 
respect she had in this community. And the one thing that bothers me is today I'm looking at CNN, and CNN had a story about her death. And the one thing that bothered me is this is a woman who should have been on nightly news shows when she was here. And that's one of the things that really bothered me is that here's this woman who, on her own, built Transgrio from nothing on her own and became an award-winning blog, an award-winning news source. And it really bothered trans- me that- Bringing yes. trans truth before people were ready for it. Bringing the straight up truth that today is just like, oh, whatever. Of course, we all know this. Like way back in the early 2000s when what she said was groundbreaking and offensive to everyone, she was doing it. Yeah, exactly. I owe a good deal of my own process to her. And I made it a point to let her know that. In fact, this weekend, this weekend, I ran in a race. This is normally Hartford Marathon weekend. Hartford ha- This is normally Eversource Hartford Marathon weekend, but because of the coronavirus, everything's virtual. Uh, my running shoe store that I go, that I frequent here where I live, had an unvirtual. You know, had a socially distant celebration. We all ran, and I ran the half marathon event. And I remember the last two miles, and I'm hurting. And I looked at the time and realized I have a shot. I have a shot at a PR, but I'm like, my body couldn't go. And then all I could think about was Monica Roberts would look down at me and tell me, girl, you need to get on with it. Mm-hmm. And those last two miles, I ran those two miles thinking this is for Monica. And at the end, I broke down and cried. I ran a PR two hours, four minutes, 40 seconds. <laughs> and, at the end, all, and at the end, all I could think about was Monica. Nope. All I can think about was Monica. She, I, I spent a great amount of time with her this weekend. Um, and, and Friday was my birthday. And one of the, like, the, the awful ridiculous place when you lose someone, for me, the selfish places that I go where I feel so guilty and awful. But I knew that this year there wasn't going to be a big old happy birthday for Monica. And that made me sad. And and right now, like, we're dealing with the shit, right? And I don't have her to to chastise me and give me shit about it. But, like, we're, we're getting ready for this. And so, Dawn, I was going back through. Because Monica, when I worked for True Colors and I was um, working with these kids, um, so black, brown, queer kids and out of home care, we're talking like 2004, 2005, 2006, when no one is really giving a hoot about, about our gender variant trans babies who, who are just not making it, right? And so Monica would come through and support me with them. And when I look at at where her mentorship came in, it was always based and grounded in exactly what is in life, but then had the beautiful possibility on top of it. You know, so like, dude, to be a trans woman is going to suck. There's going to be, here's the trials, here's the tri- tribulations, this is what it, was it is, and you're stepping into a community of women who love you, and we're here to carry you and hold you. Our, we've all lost so much, but we, but we, I mean, we've lost so much. 
But can you ima- can you imagine where we'd be if we didn't have Monica Roberts? I don't even want to think about it. Oh. I don't even I don't even want to think about it. I I can like, tell you Monica. And again, that just goes back to my frustration I that I put forth earlier is that this is a person who like you said Kamora groundbreaking and and especially at this time of the tipping point around this time of the tipping point where so much where 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 trans is in the news Monica's face should have been everywhere and this is an example of what I tell people often about about trans folks you need to be fighting for us when we're still alive yes not when we're dead, everyone wants to talk to us uh, and talk about us and say all these wonderful things after we've passed on. They all want to talk about, oh, oh, she was so wonderful. No, we got to have some fun. Them flowers got to be coming there alive. No, we needed to be has... loading the name of this of this titan for us. No, when, you... we were, when we were alive, and, I, and I'm not, and I just can't, and, and Kimora, I'm going to put it out. I'm going to put it out here like this. I got to put this out. Why wasn't. Where was Roland Martin? That's what I want to know. You know, wait, wait. Where was. Okay, where, right where there. That's See, right know. now. And this is where. Folk? Monica, where, where are you? Monica, why are you not here right now? Because when we were on out on the hill, you have. I, okay, so I told you about the panel that she was on, right? So we're there yes. out in. And out on the hill is when, you know, all the queer folks, it's, it's, we're, we're down there, we're meeting all of our congressmen, everyone, we're out on the hill, right? And Mm -hmm. the the National Black Justice Coalition has the contingent of the black queers there. So, you know, so there's the black congressional, you know, so we're meeting all these people, all the fancy, like, all of the fancy special black people are there, right? right? And and I want to say, and I'll get my years wrong, so please, whoever you are who's fact-checking this, just know that I'm close to right, and whatever year it's supposed to be is the year it's supposed to be. So it's like 2007, 2006, 7, or 8, one of those, right? And Janet Mock, Janet Mock had hit the scene, and there was a woman, and we can t- completely talk about the woman who, um, her, her child was gender-variant, and she wrote a book about her child, The Princess Boy. Didn't write about her child who might be a trans girl, but wrote about The Princess Boy. Um, and that that's a whole other podcast. But this panel happened. And afterwards, I'm there talking with Monica. Now, at this point, Monica Roberts has made it quite clear to me that that she is my mother. And my job with her is to be all that Kimora wants to be on the inside, but is scared of. But just boom, just do it right. And so we are here in D.C. yet again doing this. And the Roland Martins and all of B.E.T. and all in are up there surrounding Janet Mock and surrounding this other woman and the the mother of the woman of the child princess boy and i'm there standing with monica seething seething that she possesses the knowledge and the information and the truth and they're talking to two people who are beautiful to look at and 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 right now at this moment are carrying candy knowledge but not knowledge right and the grace that Monica had there, which was, mm-hmm, and they're gonna get to me, and them, mm-hmm, and they're gonna listen to me, and you know what? America needs to see that, and America needs to see that, and just, I don't know what to call that. 
I don't know the word in the in English language that says it's not just grace. It's not just carrying yourself with dignity. It's not seeing the the bigger picture. It's this just amazing presence and knowing and being in way of furthering the right agenda. So furthering an agenda, but furthering the right agenda by using herself when it made sense and stepping back as disrespectful as it could be, falling back when it made sense. And I don't know how much of this, like I am still reeling from losing a friend. And one thing that I'm, that one, let me just be completely honest. I am right now being interviewed by two trans women. And in my regular real world afterwards in the next couple of days, Monica Roberts is supposed to tell me how I did on this shit. That's what makes this hard. And I got to check myself. She's still up in my head, but now I've got to check myself. And I miss yeah. her much. And she, I miss her so much. I do too. And I can tell you, it's, it's, it's a loss. When it, I remember Monica talking about that moment you were talking about. And that was way back. I think it was like 2006. Some, uh, and that was yeah, a little bit later than that. I think it was that. 2006. I think it but, was 2009 because the book didn't come out until 2009. Yeah, but, okay. That was, but you see, but that was something that Monica always stressed. Mon there was a word that Monica always used in her blog and always used in her life. And it was a word, actually it was a word in Russian. Nikoturnyi. Nikoturnyi. It means, <laughs> it means uncultured. Hey, and Monica would call you out for what she called Nikoturnyi. That word. Behavior. Monica had Monica had this rule that we have to be above, we have to show grace, you have to show class. That was Monica. And the example, Kamora, that you talked about, that was pure Monica Roberts. Monica had a way, and I know quite a few politicians in Texas who probably caught the wrong end of this, where Monica could tell you to go to hell and make you glad to take the trip. Oh that was Monica God, yes. Roberts. That's that right. It, I, I told Monica once that she was an honorary Irish woman because the definition of an Irish person is you tell someone to go to hell and make them look forward to the trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That bless you little heart thing. She had that surpassed for, yeah. The word you were looking for before comes from my Jewish tradition as far as describing that class that Monica had that ability to be someone who doesn't suffer fools, but at the same time gives us all an example that we want to stand up to, stand up for. I think she was a mensch. Oh, I yes. I think she was a mensch. I think she was like the original black woman mensch. Yes. <laughs> time, you know, yes. a do-gooder, a, a person who does good, but also does not suffer fools gladly. Five years ago, I sat down with Monica after being at the same conference with her and we had uh, a meal together and she invited me. She said, sit down. I want to, I want to hear your story. And she told me her story and we exchanged uh, phone numbers and things. And she said that it's very important, very important that I get active. And here I am a freelance writer. I'm supporting three kids and a wife and I'm, mm -hmm basically scraping together income 
and she's telling me I need to be an activist. I told her, I'm not an activist, I'm a journalist. And she says, well, be a journalist that writes about activism. You need to get out there. We need more voices. And I took what she said and I thought about it. And I had a meeting with the editor-in-chief of The Advocate magazine at that conference. And I repeated what Monica said to me. And I said, that's who I want to be. I want to be a journalist that advocates. And I got that job. I got to be the news editor, the first trans news editor at The Advocate. And I, every time I talked to Monica after that, when she called me out or when she acted as a source or she gave us a tip, I said, thank you. Because I found a career as myself, thanks to her giving me the, the spark, the trigger to go away from mainstream media and Kardashians and all that bull. And I'm so grateful to her. I, I, I'm wondering, would you tell me, tell us, tell everyone who's listening, how did you meet Monica Kamora? I met her, well, I met her first through, before there's the trans griot, there was trans sisters, trans brothers, and that was a Yahoo group. Um, and I found the Yahoo group looking for black trans folks because you know where the heck are they in 2003 right um so i went looking for folks um and wait what what year was it that michigan had their awful crap and they had camp trans across the street you're talking about the women's music festival yeah because 2006 that was 2006 okay so monica roberts hit my and okay, so she hit my radar screen the year before all the shit happened because I somehow, you know, like women I knew, this was Toshi Regan had gone out before then. So stuff was coming to a head and Toshi Regan had played and she'd had to change her whole band because they, she she had men in her band and there's all this strange stuff. And the tra the trans community was starting to make space and make waves. And I was hearing and from my people that Black trans folks were in just a completely, just, duh, okay? Like just, yeah. Um, and so I was looking to hear what our folks were saying about this stuff. And I stumbled, you know, all the searches, it was probably Ask G's back then, but all the searches, I found trans sisters, trans brothers. And there was Monica. And that was, that was it. And I know that I probably spent the first year just reading and falling in love with what this woman had to say. And then I, I was working with gender variant trans youth and out of home care and sent in just a couple questions and that's that's where our relationship began to grow and then Shirley Q Licker happened and then and so, so what started as what started as me as this person who was a part of this Yahoo group and just sending messages and this woman answering you thank you so much woman this is great turned into then there was this day when she reached out because I was then working with Jasmine Canick who is a black lesbian activist in um, Los Angeles. And we were working, so we were also working with um, lesbians and folks down in Mississippi, but trying trying to stop all the Shirley Q Liquor stuff. And we got the show shut down in Hartford, at which point I got a beautiful personal message from Miss Monica Roberts, because you know we're all doing the same work, with her phone number. <sighs> and so called her and then boom, 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 life is what it was. NBJC, we had, um, it was not on the Hill, it was just an NBJC um, conference. And we ended up in um, DC together at a conference and fell in love. 
I, I, it was mutual. It was mutual. It was mutual. Like there was that first night where we stayed up. So, um, you know, Kyler brought us and Kyler's Kyler and Kyler's wonderful. And we're, we're sitting up in the bar, just talking and being and talking and being and talking and being. And then Lewis Mitchell, like, like the first time I met Lewis Mitchell was amazing because like we're, we're there in this bar and he comes in just bopping like queer conference, queer guy at the queer conference. It's late at night. Yeah, it's time to run off and do all of the good stuff that people need to do. So boom, he disappears. And then the guys go. And at that point, Monica's like, whew, that energy, uh and and we fell in love with you and and that's the you know you know when you have that that solidifying conversation like we had at that point we'd probably known each other online for almost two years and i felt like i i had a good idea of who this person was and i knew her and i felt like she had a good idea of who i was but that but that moment of of being there in unvarnished there's no one here but us and guess what real sees real i see you you see me and like, and for both of us, like, I'm sure that as a wonder, younger woman, she's so very happy that whew, I'm so happy that you're here with your unvarnished happy to just take it on self. And I'm looking at her like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy that you're here and and you're not the permed coughed, this is the right way to act, but you're teaching me the right way to act. Like that, there is, there is a night that I wish, I, I don't know how to convey to you falling in love with Monica Roberts in real life. We all did. And she, she was a teacher. Well, I'll yeah. tell you, you're you're talking about two, two other acolytes and and two other titans within Black transgender community, especially in Reverend Lewis Mitchell, who was a person who who's been a mentor to me for many years. And Kyler Brodus, and I have a little story about Kyler. At first event, the big the big conference just out of, outside of Boston. In 2019, I got to meet Kyler for the first time. And for me, that, and I had had dinner with Kyler Brodus. We're sitting around as myself, as a few other people. Uh, Karen Holmes, another, another mm -hmm. strong stout activist from the DC area was there. And the one thing Kyler said, if you get the opportunity to meet Monica Roberts, or no, actually what he says is when you do, Mm -hmm. Keep your mouth shut. You just listen and you take it in what she's telling you. Unless that, you want to give the rest of us a show, at which point then you try to go share some knowledge and allow her to do what she does. And then you give us something to talk about the next day. Oh, yeah. Stand back. But, <laughs> no, oh, yes. But you, but you see it. That, but you see, again, that is the thing that one of the things that really that does upset me about losing Monica is that in my mind, Monica and also to an extent, Lewis and Kyler and people like, like Merrick Moses people, and even people like Laverne and Janet do not get the due that they should be getting from, especially the wider black community, black community as a whole. They don't get, I mean, I'm going to just say it. I wrote an article on this on the North End Agent back in June is that sister <clears throat> to black folk, where you at? Yeah. Where, I mean, where's the flowers? Where's the respect? And even within the wider, and I'm going to say it, whiter trans community, I don't think these people got the respect. 
are getting the respect that they frankly earned. Monica, there are certain people who are raised as leaders in our community, and we ain't going to get negative on right here, but there are certain people who have dealt Monica in a, in a have dealt with Monica in a negative fashion. And oh, one thing about Monica is you try and do her wrong, she'll cut you. She'll shave you. She'll call you on your stuff. And she will not forget. Oh, oh no. But the thing is, though, Monica was the moral force. And Kamura, I'm just wondering, what is the one thing, especially as a person who has come up, in a sense, under the tutelage and has had to learn to rise to the point of doing the work you do with the cultural corner and whatnot, what is the greatest lesson that you took away from Monica Roberts? Love yourself into thine own self be true. I am so happy that I got her to be on one of those community conversations. I am so sad that she wasn't physically able to be there. I am a child and I'm so proud that she got to see the KCC come to fruition and that she got to tell me that she was proud of it. To thy own self be true. Is there anything better than having Monica that patch on the back? No, no, because I do it for her. Because like when I talk about that evening, I often talk about being in a lineage of, of activists. And when I talk, like, like there's a lot of stuff I've even spoke to with you, Dawn, um, about this idea of when, when activism made its way into the academy, how that killed so much of the passion of it. And when I was talking earlier about that night of talking with Monica, we talked about the people who she was, who were her mentors. And we talked about the path that she was coming from and who was there, who she looked up to. Like, like I can tell you that I am not going to be able to listen to any fucking Sylvester for the next however fucking long without just being a whole mess, right? Because it was quite clear and she understood that she was one in the number and that she was one in the line and that she was drawing from those who came before her and taking it and passing it on. And now we're here, right? And and so I'm taking what she's got and I'm passing it on. But understand, like, know what you're doing, know why you're doing it and stay stay steadfast on that course. She's like, the that old song, keep your eye on the prize. That's Monica right there. Keep your eye on the prize. Uh, we have to keep an ear for certain music we play whenever it's time for a break. And that music's playing right now. What we're going to do is we're going to come back with messages from some of Monica's friends. And if we can bear it, we're going to play our podcast interview with Monica, portions thereof, so we can all hear Monica's wisdom one more time. Stay with us. You're in the Transporter Room. Welcome back to a special and somber edition of the Transporter Room. Carly Chardonnay Webb, along with Don Ennis, and a special guest, friend of the show, friend of the program, Kamora Harrington. And we're giving great collections of Monica Roberts, a titan in our community, a leader in our community, taken, taken from us too soon. You know, it's true what Billy Joel said, only the good die young. 
and they didn't come any better than Monica Roberts, let me tell you. And that's one thing we have to point out is that Monica was truly, to me, a leader within this community. There wasn't a place she would go. There wasn't a conference. If she could make it there, she wouldn't attend. And if you look in her blog, because one, a lot of things and a lot of the coverage, a lot of the mainstream coverage is that they want to put this out as black transgender leader, Monica Roberts. No, no. Was she proud? Was she a proud black transgender human being? Yes, she was. But she led this whole community. You look in that blog, look on Transgrio. It doesn't matter who you were. If you were trans and doing it and doing it well, Monica shouted you out. I remember her post after Danica Rome was elected. Monica was the first shouting that out. And Danica made sure to respond. Mm-hmm. People gave Monica Roberts a wide berth because she was about getting the business done for all for for all of our community. To me, in many ways, if you want to talk about who the leader of tra- of transgender America was, to me, it was Monica. And also, there was one thing Monica did that quite frankly, I think people overlook and it shouldn't be overlooked when it came to defending trans youth. No one did. No one did to me more than Monica did. Auntie Mon- Monica, Monica <laughs> my auntie, auntie general, Monica Roberts, mm-hmm. you know, when they were going after Trent like that, like this current case down in Texas with the little, with the little girl whose father is trying to snatch her away from the yeah. accepting parent. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Monica led Monica was the first to call the dragon dads and the mama bears to action. Yep. You ask parents in Texas of trans youth who they look to because she took up their issue. It was Monica Roberts. My, you, you could hear every week you go on her social media. Monica talk about, I got to travel down to Austin again this week. I got to travel down to Austin again this week. Monica, Monica is in a conference in California getting an <laughs> award. She hears about the Texas legislatures having a committee meeting. The next morning, Monica would change her flight, jump on a plane, and get on back to Austin and get on back to Texas, then land at George Bush Intercontinental Airport, get in a get in a car or get on a bus. But that next morning, nine nine o'clock sharp in that committee meeting. Here comes Monica, tall, Texan, and proud, striding into that meeting. Yep. Ready to do battle. Most of us are happily like, oh no, I just traveled. I'm I must rest. I must rest. I'm gonna oh, lay down. Really? This, this woman is <laughs> she's really doing this. Damn. Right? She's she was on fire. And you know what I loved? The Houston Chronicle started their obituary by saying she was Houston through and through. She was so proud of being a Houstonian. She yes, loved she her town. She loved her city. She loved her football. She loved those Texans. And I will tell you that I am always amazed at how someone like Monica, who's such a towering figure, had such a gentle soul. I mean, I know she was a fierce advocate, but deep inside, she really was just a sweet person to talk to. 
I've got two comments from folks. I'm sure there are more many, many more, but here's two. My friend Ellie Bell, who I met at a uh, NLGJA, it's the uh, Journalist Association for LGBT Journalists. She tweeted, "I remember an L NLGJA meeting, meeting her and being so in awe that she was such a legend, but she was also a normal person who spoke so kindly and was so gentle." And immediately friendly, so easy to speak with, and so ready to always stand up for what was right. She was always so warm and friendly and ready for conversation. When I think of what being a community member is, I think of people like Monica, who made the trans community better and the journalist community better simply by showing up, by existing. Uh, they're, they're a very young, um, amazing writer, and I'm so grateful to Ellie for contributing that. And there's one more from a writer in San Diego. Uh, Ellie's in Brooklyn. Timothy Noel Rawls wrote, she was one of only a few people I know who had the power to change minds. Yes. Man, did he peg it. Oh, both of them. Yes. They really just nailed it. Oh. There's and, and there's been this strange place, and again, you know, I'm a big old cis lesbian, so I've got to deal with that. <laughs> you know, like, like that, that is because I want to scream, no, she wasn't just for trans folks. She was for all of us. <sighs> True. But, you, you know, and, and there's that strange place of, no, I can't because she was such an amazing, fierce advocate for trans babies. And stepping into that work with her as a guide allowed me to do it in all the other arenas. But just, no, everyone, like, no, don't pigeonhole her anywhere. Her amazing work for her people and her children and those who'd come after her transcended everything. Like, how, how do we say that without watering down any of it? Well, I'll tell you, Timothy's a cis gay man. And I love the fact that he wants to have his voice added. I don't know anybody. I, I, I received so many phone calls after Carly called me from people who were not trans, who just were in tears. Uh, a, 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 a woman who's um, queer, a man who's a gay journalist. And we all cried together. And the fact that she crossed that boundary beyond black, beyond trans, to just the entire movement, I think is a credit to who she really was. Yeah, yeah. Her, her way of being, her, I, I just wanna share. So one of the things um, I said, I shared stuff with Carly earlier today, cause I was looking back um, and finding old stuff. And you know how you just forget stuff? So I ended up in an old Yahoo email that I haven't used in forever. And I have stories that I use. And one of the stories that I use is about a very specific letter that Monica wrote, one of the kids in my program. And this was a kid who was just like this ridiculously gorgeous, effeminate gay boy who'd figured out that when he was in jail, that if he, if he were a girl in jail, life was a little bit better. And everyone working with him, just, just all the issues everywhere. And Monica wrote the letter, right? And she wrote the letter that changed everything. So I use that and I use stories about that letter to further conversations that I'm having in trainings, but I had forgotten the shared numbers, the dozens 
the dozens, the multiple dozens of letters that she wrote to beautiful young trans babies in my world and that, that literally changed people's lives and got them where they needed to be. Um, and I don't like, and there are beautiful letters that were written specifically to people. And some of them were written, some of them were written wonderfully, not so much for the young person, but for the young person social worker who is definitely going to have to read the letter before they <laughs> Because again, like, what are we trying to do? We're trying to create, oh yeah, I got some great ones like that, which again, I'll share, I'll share with you guys quietly. Um, but in, in this one that I, that I read that I, sh that I sent to you, I, I just want to share because everyone, everyone I think needs to be able to write their own epitaph in whatever way that is. But this is Monica saying, my happiness comes from the fact that I love myself first, love being a black woman and strive daily to be the best person that I can be. And I believe that. I believe that that's exactly who Monica is and who she was. And, and just to share who she is, she's a woman who, who loved, like you say, she was this happy Texan, like this, this complete Houstonian. Yeah, she loved the heck out of her state. Like we can start ripping apart red states, right? We can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Up, oh, all of a sudden you hit that vein and oops, you went just a little bit too far in Texas and you got to pull it back. Um, but, but just pure joy. And this woman loves herself and loves herself first. And then just lived a life, lived a life of gratitude and servitude. Let's see, that's what it's all about. The, the greatest leaders are first and foremost servants. I, I want to read a tweet that came out when the, when the announcement came out that she died. And this one came from Jen Richards, actress, producer, actress, producer, brilliant trans content creator, also known to the world as smart-ass Jen. I am gutted by the news of Transcrio's passing. Monica Roberts was a light for everyone involved in the fight for trans justice, a warm spirit with a body sense of humor and a merciless intolerance for bullshit. She was a tower amongst us and will be profoundly missed. But Notice true. that one phrase that really fired me up to be an activist was just that merciless intolerance for bullshit. Yeah. And that merciless intolerance rained down like a wave. Yeah. When it came when it came to when to especially in in Houston's community when certain people weren't doing what they know is the right thing, i.e. the way certain people handled the the Houston anti-discrimination ordinance mm -hmm. fight a few years ago and yeah. monica kept calling it out and saying there's a hey monica was telling them you're gonna lose we you're gonna lose one we can win if you don't start if you don't really start engaging in this if you don't start engaging this from directly a, ju a justice mindset from a trans justice mindset black justice mindset queer justice mindset, if you strictly try and play this from the conservative economic angle, you're going to lose. And what happened? It ended up losing. They lost. On the other side, yeah. when they listen, yeah. now here's an example of what happens when you, when they listen to Monica. The Harris County Democratic Party when they had an initiative during the off-year elections a couple years ago, they said, our goal is to flip the judges in Harris County. And before, these were all mostly conservative Republican white men. And group she had a 19, lot of boring about, ass words group, about that. Group, yep. of nine, group of 19 judges. Oh, yeah. So they came to her and said, Monica, 
how can we energize trans communities, black communities, and LGBTQ communities to come out and help us flip this? And they listened. And you want to know what the result was? Right now, Harris County, Texas, has 19 judges who are all black women. (laughs) That, That is Monica... That is Monica Roberts, right? To me, that is a mon- that's one of the great monuments to Monica. Is that and that is her one hundred percent because every piece of that she orchestrated. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. She shared a lot of words, but she under like it's that place of understanding how we're going to get there from way back from square A. She knew. She knew where the bodies buried. She knew yes. the strings to pull, and she knew and when to pull them. Yes, and she pulled them. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna play a little portion of our uh, our interview with Monica, and I'm gonna ask you to brace yourselves because I haven't heard her voice in more than two weeks, and I had tried to reach her the day after she died, and not knowing she was gone, and I kept listening to her voicemail, and I kept leaving her messages, and I couldn't understand. She always was so quick to respond. Why would she not be responding to me? There must be something going on. And then we got the terrible news. And on Outsports.com, I've shared this, and now we're going to share it with all of our listeners of the Transporter Room. Let's beam up Monica Roberts. Welcome to the Transporter Room. Hey, what's up? Just one correction from your last segment. Uh, Dallas County has been blue since 2006. I think the county you may have been thinking about was Tarrant County, which is just to the west, and which is Fort Worth. And even in the last election cycle, Tarrant County went blue for the first time since the 70s. So uh, we're actually trending purple. Nobody is better than Monica Roberts. So let's go to the Mm -hmm. authority. Monica knows from Texas. Unfortunately, I got some. I have relatives in Tarrant County now, so. <laughs> yeah. For 10 years now, the number of non-white Texans outnumbers white Texans, which is wow. really bad for the Republican uh, business model, which is why they're desperate uh, to uh, keep control of the Texas legislature. Mm-hmm. And we're only nine seats from flipping the Texas House. Wow. Yeah, they lost 12 seats in the 2018 midterm. They lost 12 House seats. Wow. And in addition, we flipped the entire judiciary in Harris County up to the state court of appeals level. The same was true in Bear County. They flipped 22 judicial benches. They just in Fort Bend County to the southwest of me, which was for the longest time in the 90s, Tom DeLay's political base. They flipped seven benches there. Wow. You know, I've had the great pleasure of talking to Monica both in person and on the phone. And we've talked about all kinds of activism and advocacy, but we've never mm-hmm. talked sports. And Carly has been chomping at the bit to talk to you about football. So I'm going to step oh. back and let the two women of color. No, I've been, I've been chomping at the bit to talk to Monica Roberts for years. Mm-hmm. I will say Here's that right up front. Here's your chance. I, in, fa- in, fact, I, in fact, I often call her Auntie General Monica Roberts because that's what she is. She is a field commanding general of the fight for trans liberation in this country and and in many ways around the world. Forgive me for doing some fangirling right now, but that's what I'm going to do. But I I was in that position (laughs) back in the day. (laughs) Texas is like any other red state. We have islands of progressive, I say 
uh, islands and areas of progressive uh, movement. The Rio Grande Valley is because it's heavily Latino. That is stretching all the way from the Gulf Coast all the way back to El Paso. That's blue. Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston. Those are all progressive cities. Um, anywhere with a college, pretty much. Um, outside of Texas A&M and uh, and. Uh, and uh, College Station that kind of belies that, but what you know, most places that have colleges they are progressive. So, and you know, as I pointed out, the uh, demo, you know the polit the uh, the um, you know the, the population demographics have shifted since 2009. The only thing that is keep the only reason that the Republicans have kept control is because they gerrymandered the hell out of the state back in 2011. And they put in that voter suppression law. So we got a shot at fixing that next year. And John Cornyn's up for re-election next year. So we want him gone. What's your mm -hmm. take on the infighting? I mean, sometimes, you know, our, our battle is not just with the TERFs, not just with the Dan Patrick's and Republican white men, but among ourselves. What's your take on how do we resolve those issues where we, we don't we're not able to get along just among the trans women and men? Well, a lot of that is because we are all passionate about we are we all agree on one thing that trans rights are undeniably human rights, uh, and the United States needed to move yesterday in codifying our civil rights coverage. The problem you know, that we have is how do we get there? And what do we do to get there? And the other thing that we're dealing with is that the trans community is a microcosm of our parent society. We have all the ills and isms if, uh, in our little subset of humanity that the parent society does. We have sexism, we have racism, we have misogyny, misogynoir in that. And it's something that we have to realize, you know, because, you know, NC, you know that, that cropped up in the blow up with NCTE. NCTE has long had a, a problem with racism in their ranks. It didn't just start yesterday. It started at their founding, but it's now just coming out. Yeah, you've been you've been talking about it for years, but you know the vast majority of mm -hmm. unfortunately white people mm -hmm. had no clue about the racist, the misogynist, the terrible problems they've been having that you've been calling on them out for years. Yeah, and it's a large part why you know organizations like BTAC it stuff found, were founded. You know, Trans Persons of Color Coalition. Uh, organization Latina de Trans in Texas, uh, the Trans Latina Coalition, because of the racism that was in uh, NCT embedded in NCTE, you know, we just felt like we couldn't work, and in some cases, it was impossible to work with Mar. Um, you know, and it's our, a lot our, of reasons why I barely pushed. You know, and it's a lot of the reason why I barely posted anything 
about NCT on my blog. Uh, the, the, the exception I made for that was when the 2015 U.S. Trans Survey came out. And I saw it. the importance. Yeah. yeah. And I and the, the good news is, you know, and then I was told by some of the folks, if I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have gotten enough um, statistically significant num we had a, a statistically significant number of black trans folks that participated in so that we could get solid, you know, so that we could get solid numbers that we can use. And across several states, Texas being one of them. We had just enough participation to you know be able to pull some significant statistics out of that, which I whacked, you know, which I whacked the Republicans upside the head with. <laughs> so but also, you know, in black trans world, you know, we have the issue of we're always, especially black trans women, we are always put in the position where we're competing against each other, where whether it is competing for pageant trophies, whether it is competing for tens on a ballroom floor, you know, or, or even, you know, for our sisters who are in the, you know, say who are, who are doing sex work, they're competing for customers. So we are always put in that position where we're kind of com always competing against each other. And it has been, you know, hard at times for us to build sisterhood. <laughs> uh, the emergency that we're dealing with in terms of we're literally being eviscerated <laughs> has kind of forced us to kind of work together. To, you know, to end all the violence being uh, aimed at us, and it's it's something as a and also, you know, the fact that we do have you know black trans kids who are growing up that I want to see live to be my age and do amazing things, and I want all those sisters that we have lost to know what it's like to hit a 40th or 50th birthday or 60th birthday or be Miss Major's age. Gee, I'm trying to make it to that age. want to switch gears to get on the sports train here for a minute on all this quote-unquote controversy about trans inclusion in sports. Like, for example, you have well-financed professional transphobes in Washington, D.C. writing a complaint and misgendering two high school kids all over the place. What's your thoughts yeah. on all this heat that you're seeing right now? They're using the same talking points that they use to try to justify uh, segregation of African-American athletes back in the day. They're using the same talking points. Substitute black for tra trans for black. Can you say that they one more time for all the, the black folks in the back? <laughs> yeah. Once again, they're using the same talking points to oppress trans athletes that they did when they were aiming Jim Crow segregation. The bottom line, and, and then also a special message for the turfs, can't stand y'all either. Uh, <laughs> because bottom line, you turf, your attempts to oppress and repress the uh, trans community will fail. I don't care if you did go get friends at the Heritage uh, Society. 
or the Republican Party. They're not long to hold power in this country anyway. So you made a bad bet. <laughs> One of the things you know, Carl and I are always harping on is, you know, a lot of the arguments are directed directly mm -hmm. at kids. And, yeah. and you know what? I, I, I protect my kids like any mama bear. I don't want nobody talking mm -hmm. bad about my kids. And when, when people start attacking children for being cheaters and for um, not being who they are and you know, disallowing them yeah. to live their dream, I get personally yeah. very upset about that. I, I wonder what you have to think, think about that, Monica. Yeah, because uh, you remember a couple of years ago when Matt Beggs, uh, a, a transmasculine wrestler, wasn't allowed to wrestle against boys. So he was yes, basically put in a no-win. He was put, yeah, he was put in a no-win position of either quitting or being forced to wrestle against girls. And here's the kicker. You know, Mac basically took a very low dose of testosterone. And, you know, and they still tripped. This, you know, that was the first of the UIL. Yeah. Yeah, and he won back-to-back -back, uh, Class 6A championships, but uh, you know, and went undefeated in both of those seasons. But he would have rather been wrestling against the boys. Like that he is was now. political. Like he is now yeah. College, yeah, yeah, it was a political decision by Dan Patrick at UIL. Yeah, yeah it backfired. It backfired, yeah. backfired big time. Did you ever play sports, yeah. Monica? You, are you a sports uh, athlete? Um, I played tennis in high school. Uh, my dad used to do play-by-play -play, uh, for Texas Southern and uh, for HISD games. So I got to watch a lot of football from press, you know, from press boxes at the dome and at various stadiums, you know, high school stadiums around the area. So I got to see, you know, uh, I got to see a couple of Hall of Famers play like Mike Singletary and Daryl Green. Daryl Green went to the same high school I did. I am all Houston all the time. So, yeah. You mean to tell me if, so, if I happen to fire up Love Your Blue right now, you get a tear in your eye? Is that what you're telling me? When I going, in, is, it, is it that deep? Let's, yeah, it's that deep. Because matter of fact, when I used to live in Louisville, when I would I have to drive past Nissan Stadium on my way to Atlanta, I'd flip at the finger. <laughs> yeah, it was that deep. <laughs> it was that deep. It was that deep. Yeah. I still call the Tennessee I call them the Tennessee traders. Let me shift gears a little bit. As we call mm -hmm. this thing the transporter room, what's your particular mm -hmm. uh, poison? What kind of uh, sci fi are you a fan of? I love Battlestar Galactica and also Star Trek. So say we all. <laughs> so yeah, say we all. Definitely. I especially love the reboot. They, I love the reboot. I still binge. I actually, it. I actually, you know, when when the miniseries first came out, because I loved the original. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Blah, 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 blah. And then I actually sat down and watched it, and I went, okay, <laughs> it's different. I say. I say Commander Adam is Latino. Okay. <laughs> they have a female president. Okay. Boomer yeah. is Asian. Okay. And you say Starbucks is a woman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it turned and, out I say, and the storylines kind of mimicked what was going on 
in the wake of nine in the wake yeah. of nine eleven. The way Star Trek did in the sixties. Yeah, I really like yeah. that about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. The reboot. So I really yeah, so the writing in Battlestar Galactica really appealed to me as a writer. But yeah. Monica, I need your help on two things. One, we have a lot of work to do among our cisgender black family. We got a lot of work to do. I'm with you. Are you with me? Oh, I've been on that project for a while. I know um, you've been on that project. So oh, for one of the a people while. that you be helping is my mama. <laughs> yes. Well, and then on top of that, you know, uh, I'm actually in conjunction with one of my uh, sisters, uh, Candace Weber, uh, in. Um, Black Lives Matter, we're talking about doing a series of sister-sister conversations where we talk about the issues that bug each group about the other one and then work it out. <laughs> uh, and, well, I've had a, and I've had similar conversations at the BTAC conference uh, with, uh, you know, with Christina, uh, with Christina Martin uh, during BTAC, where we've had that conversation the last two uh, BTACs uh, where we talk about that. So just breaking down that, that, you know, say just building, you know, giving us an opportunity to kind of build that sisterhood up uh, because I am not liking the, the attempts of TERFs to expand their territory into black, you know, into black women's circles. If there's one thing before, before we could, we shove out of here, if there's, if there's one thing you can say, especially to an audience that could be listening to this podcast, who is who is among the folk like me, who are, is mm -hmm. among the folk and who is dealing with all this, dealing with all that drama and all this mm -hmm. and and all and all this constant competition, because I'm with you on that. How what is the one thing you can tell them and and also tell me while you're at it to kind of bring us together? What's the one thing we need to do to start building that unity within ourselves so that we can go out there well, and fight the fights that need fighting? Um, as Janet said to me and a, a lot of other people, uh, there is room for all of us to shine in terms of, and there's plenty of work for us to do. You know, in this trans movement, that needs to be done, you know, whether we're living, you know, in the Northeast or down here in Texas, on the West Coast or in the Midwest, uh, we have plenty of work that we, you know, that must be done um, in order for us as a community to survive and thrive. Yeah, we're a family. Yeah, and of course we're gonna have arguments and all that. But, you know, we shouldn't let those arguments deter us but when we need to focus on the common enemy, do that. And we know who our common enemy is. It's not each other. It's the Republicans. It's the TERFs. It's the Southern Baptist Convention. It is the, you know, say, the Roman Catholic uh, conservative priest. Those are our enemies. Those are the folks we need to be focused on. That was hard. That was hard. What are your thoughts, Kamara? What are your thoughts, Carly? Okay, 
There we go. I'm sorry, I had to unmute myself. That the woman knew her subject matter inside and out. And that she cared and that it was all that connected. It was like she breathed politics. It was like in her bloodstream. She knew so much and we are such at a, we are at such a loss. And the personal is always political for real. Mm -hmm. How are you doing, Carly? Hearing, hearing that voice hurts so bad, but at the same time, it's so healing to hear it. And I will tell you, Moni, Monica, we're going to miss you, but no that the fight for trans liberation, for black liberation, for human liberation that you were proudly a part of will continue. Yes. We she will said, march yeah. on. She said that she started Trans Rio in 2006 because nobody else was doing it, because there was no one else doing what she was doing. So now, without her, we have to pick up the mantle. Now it's our turn to carry on and yes. carry forward. And that's regardless of your tendencies. That's regardless of your political tendencies. And I've said this a lot lately because I know that I probably, Dawn, you know how much we fight and how much we argue. But we love each other. But yes, but, and also we love our people. The, the thing that made, like I said, the thing that made me an activist, and you know, the turfs, especially yeah. in sports mm -hmm. when they talk about a trans rights activist you know what you damn right i'm one mm -hmm. just like monica roberts was yep and monica showed me how and i always and and what i said in the sound clip what i said on that show that day is yes i'm fangirling right now because <laughs> that's how but that's how much she meant yep I am Harley yeah. Webb exists because Monica Roberts existed. Damn straight. Yes. She was so I am and, so and you know, that goes back to the name of the blog comes from comes from our, our comes from a tradition of of, of African people. It comes yes. from a tradition of who we are, the story, the griot, the storyteller. Well, and yes. there's a tradition within that that states, I am because we are. We are. Harley Webb is because Monica Roberts was here, because a Janet Mock was here, is here, because Laverne Cox was here, because Beverly Johnson was here, and Marcia P. Johnson was here, and all and these Sylvia Rivera, yeah. Sylvia Rivera was here, and also because of a Don, because Don Ennis was here. Oh, cut it out. Let me tell you yes. all the story. So I'm going to yes. give you. But I, yeah, I met Monica. Five years ago, so we're all um, uh, being introduced at this this convening in Philadelphia, and a white person who shall not be named said, "And here's Monica Roberts of Trans Griot." Wow! <laughs> and she stood up and she said, "It's Trans Griot." Did it right? <laughs> wow! And, then, and, 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 and I can see that. 
Yeah. Funny story. Oh, the whole second funny story is just from uh, two years ago, 2018 in Palm Springs. Some idiot got up on stage and introduced his little comedy shtick by saying, "Ladies, gentlemen, and it's." And you better believe that Monica stood right up. And you, she didn't need a microphone. She shouted at the stage, there's no it's here. There are no it's here. <laughs> that guy got in a lot of trouble because of that. I'm, su- I'm surprised that guy's breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there, but so people must have held Monica back. Because yes. no, Monica, Monica's one of them people like, no, earrings get taken off. Earrings and Vaseline will be called upon. Yeah, I, you I stepped to Monica. You stepped to Monica night. wrong. Well, no, yeah. See, that's one thing. Do not piss her off because oh, no. because there's that. No, Monica doesn't have to say nothing. It is a bearing. <laughs> yeah, that. Yes. But not in the look, but it shows up not just in in her person. It shows up in her writing. Yeah, no, it's true. you. I mean the 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 fool the fools awards. Hello? Yes. Yeah, cool. Oh my god, the Fool's Awards. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, fool. Who's this week? Shut up, fool. Shut up, fool. <laughs> and you notice who got the most yeah. of the Shut Up Fools? Like the Ted Cruz's and John Cornyn's of the world. They seem to always get those. They got those. Dope 45. Remember Dope Dope 45? Oh man. Her name, her nickname for the her nickname for Orange Orange Foolius. That's another one from Monica. Orange Folius. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what her slogan says on her website. I'm looking at it now. A proud, unapologetic black trans woman speaking truth to power and discussing the world around her since 2006. Saying it loud, I'm unapologetically black, trans, and proud. Yeah. And that's, that's her. She um, won the 2018 Glad Media Awards Outstanding Blog. She was a finalist in 2014, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, she was award-winning in my book for everything. One thing it was good to see an organization I belong to, National Association of Black Journalists, giving her her due. <laughs> and it's good to see. Oh, yeah. I will say okay? this right. I will say this right now. Next month, um, I will be part of a group that's planning around these parts, our annual T-Door. Um, oh, Thanksgiving. Our annual yes. T-Door program and, and demonstration. And you yeah. can bet Monica Roberts' name will be all over it because if it wasn't for Monica, we would not have the documentation. We would not have the news on the news to even list our dead. That was Monica. That a lot of that. That was Monica's work. A lot of the changes that you see in the way our community is covered. That's Monica's work. <laughs> Monica has had a hand in so so much of this tipping point. And again, that's why it grieves me to think that now people now there's this big revisit on Monica after she's gone when we had this person in our midst. Well, I wonder, I don't know if you saw NBJC, the National Black Justice Coalition. So this year, their big coming out day push was about inviting people in. Mm -hmm. And 
looking at that campaign, of course, you know, Monica's all over my mind right now, but I wonder how much of that is her and how much of that, because, you know, this whole idea of like, I shouldn't have to come out to you all the time. This is my, you know, this is my world. Watch me do this. And how much of that just came from like knowing how much of NBJC policy and just how much of that was just guided by Monica being Monica. But yes. And the real sad thing is NABJ convention next year, coronavirus permitting is in Houston. It'll be like an empty, it'll be like a big hole, big hole there. And everyone knows why we're supposed to be there. Everyone knows. Oh no. B B tech next year in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And for me that that's really a very bitter thing because I was going to be sent to B tech black trans advocacy conference. That's held each year in Dallas. Last May, I was I was slated to go as part of a contingent that would be coming from something that was that is near and dear to my heart, Trans Lifeline. And one of the things I was looking forward to was finally in person getting a chance to walking up to Monica Roberts and saying and saying two things. Number one, and saying two things. Number one, thank you because of you, I'm here. And number two, Mike Renfo was out of bounds in the ADAF's championship game. That's a whole different discussion for a different day, but just to have a chance to talk to her and thanks a lot, coronavirus. That, it breaks, it's a loss. That's the thing, like right now, we should all be trying to figure out how the fuck to get to Houston. That's where we should be. I agree. We're not. And Monica wrote thing. Monica wrote something on the Transgender Day of Remembrance last year that I love to share with everybody. Trans people are undeniably a part of the diverse mosaic of human life. You can find us on six inhabited continents on planet Earth, and we aren't going away or back into the closet. It's past time that people accept the fact we exist and leave us alone so that we can survive, thrive, and be the best people that we can be. We would love for these Transgender Day of Remembrance events to become obsolete, so we don't have to gather every November 20th to observe them. But as long as transphobic hate exists and is being stirred up by right-wing politicians, conservative organizations, TERFs, and fundamentalist religions, it looks like for the next few years, we'll be gathering at venues around the world to remember the people we have lost. Such a great writer. Oh yeah, and that well, was the message. Yeah, I think we should sum up our thoughts and say good night or good morning, whichever time of the day people are listening. Because you know, I I know Monica would want us to get to work, so I'll uh, ask our guest first to offer her final thoughts, then Carly, and then I'll go last. Final thoughts. First, thank you so much for inviting me here. Thank you so much for inviting me here this evening. Monica Roberts is and was a force to be reckoned with and someone who we will continue to learn from. I encourage everyone to listen to her actual words. Many of us will wax poetic, read. She, she's written so much. It's, it's almost insulting to say that a black woman writes eloquently that woman wrote so beautifully and eloquently. Please read her words. I am blessed to have known her. I am blessed to have been touched by her. And I see her in all of my work. And I, I, 
I look forward to continuing to spreading what this woman, what she received from those before her that she passed on to me. And I am heartbroken. Auntie General, you touched so many lives. And one of those was one of those was a person who spent more than 30 years, 35, almost 40 years of their life running and hiding. And because of you, that person found, dug deep and was able to find, able to find their truth, able to find themselves, able to find a community, and eventually able to find a life able to claim a name, able to find themselves not only a place in the world, but also a place in this struggle. That person was me, and I thank you for it. To all of us who are still here, we have work to do. Monica would not want us mourning very long. One thing I want to make, one thing I want to see, and I think we all need to play a hand, is to make sure that Transgrio stays alive. Whether we continue to add to it or we archive it, we can't let that piece of trans history die. That is living, breathing trans history. That is a tome of our struggle, and it should always be there. And to our adversaries, <laughs> know this. The spirit of Monica Roberts beats in every heart, especially in the hearts of this young generation that she stood steadfastly with to protect. And let it be known, especially for the younglings, as, we, as she called them, there will be many more Auntie General Monica's standing with them. I know I will be one of them. Well put, both of you ladies. I'll conclude with something I do as part of my life, as part of my job. I'm going to tell you a story. At that convention in Palm Springs, I was lucky enough to be asked to moderate a panel. And we called it Trans 101. And we were having a conversation with the room about transgender things. And in the audience was Monica Roberts. And when we passed the mic around to have people ask questions, Monica, Monica started giving answers instead of questions. And I said to the panelists, I said, you know, it just doesn't seem right. Monica should be up here. Monica, get off your uh, get off your seat. Come up here and let's pull a seat up to the table. And we added Monica to the panel. And I tell you that story because wherever she is, if you believe in heaven, then she's got a seat at the table. And I'm telling you right now, I am not going to hog the mic. I'm going to pass to the next Monica. 
And I'm going to pass it to the next Monica after that. And I am here to make room for more Monicas in our world. And I can't talk anymore, so I'm just going to say set coordinates for Hartford, Connecticut, Carly, and thank you, Kamora. Thank you for being here tonight. <laughs> thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kamora. Carly, live long and prosper, and may Monica's spirit guide us today, tomorrow, and forever. Monica Roberts. I am and I forever shall be your friend and your disciple. And we're going to fight like hell for you. Fight like hell. Because that's what we do. Love you, Monica's woman. Fight, fight, fight. Fight.